This is a message for those that work in manufacturing across the UK and Ireland. Do your engineering maintenance stores keep you awake at night? Are your engineers spending excessive time sourcing and finding the spare parts they need? Eric's on-site teams take responsibility for your indirect supply chain, including both your MRO procurement and inventory control. And, as the name suggests, we do this while being based on your site. For more information, visit www.erics.co.uk forward slash em. This episode of Engineering Matters is supported by The Optimistic Outlook. The Optimistic Outlook is a great listen for fans of Engineering Matters. It is a podcast for anyone intrigued by innovation across sectors, whether you're in healthcare, infrastructure, energy or beyond. The show is hosted by Barbara Hampton, CEO of Siemens USA, and offers invaluable insights relevant and impactful for all industries. I think what you're really going to like is that Barbara Hampton is not just a CEO, she's a thought leader in the corporate world. In the podcast, you often learn from her journey to the top of Siemens USA, getting invaluable lessons on leadership, decision-making, and navigating the complexities of the modern workplace. Barbara brings a wealth of knowledge, not just about manufacturing, but about its ripple effects across all sectors. Her perspective illuminates how manufacturing innovations are setting the pace for changes in healthcare, infrastructure development, energy sustainability, and more. Regardless of your industry, the optimistic outlook is a source of motivation and forward-thinking ideas. Barbara's expertise in connecting dots between manufacturing and other sectors reveals actionable strategies for innovation and leadership in any field. We invite you to explore the optimistic outlook and join a broad audience that values transformative ideas, including us. Search for the optimistic outlook wherever you get your podcasts. Operating a crane was once a seat of the pants affair. As the operator slewed with a load, rotating the cab and boom to move the load on the hook to one position to another, the crane might begin to tip. The operator would feel the seat rise up below them. They would lower the load to the ground to stop slowing, to keep the crane level. Or, under pressure to get the job done, they might push on. If they were lucky, the crane would remain stable. But they weren't always lucky the crane would continue to tip as they moved closer to the tipping point. And then, as they crossed that line of stability, it would fall towards the load. An incident like this can easily kill or seriously injure the operator and those working alongside the crane. So how would the operator reduce the risk of an accident? A mobile crane is essentially a truck or crawler carrier with a crane on top. Today, most road-going cranes are known as all-terrains. They have multiple independently steered axles, making them able to move around a congested job site. They are balanced so that each axle carries just as much weight as is legally allowed on the roads. This allows them to get to work easily and then start working with maximum lifting capacity. They consist of a telescopic boom mounted on a slewing ring, which is then connected to the truck body. 
In the past, and in a few uncommon examples today, this upper section might be made of steel lattice sections, or even take the form of a small folding tower crane. As the crane slews on the carrier, its stability changes. Picture a truck crane from above. Think of the boom as one hand of a clock. As the crane arrives at the job site, the boom sits over the cab, call that 12 o'clock. On site, the operator will try and find the best position to work from. They'll want flat, well-compacted ground. This will support the outriggers that extend out from the chassis. If a crane were to lift mounted on just its tyres, these would be compressed by the weight of the load. So the outriggers lift the crane up, giving it a steady base. Above the slewing ring, the boom extends out. Behind the boom, steel or concrete ballast pieces balance the load on the hook. But these aren't the only balancing weights. The weight of the engine makes the truck's front heavier than its rear. So the operator will aim to set up so the load being moved passes over the back of the crane. On our imaginary clock face, the crane might pick up a load of steel beams from a truck at the 8 o'clock position. They'll then slew over the back of the crane, 6 o'clock, to place them at 4 o'clock. It's not always possible to set up like this. Perhaps there is only a narrow space on site. The operator might only extend the outriggers on one side. Maybe the crane arrives at site and the logistics vehicle carrying its ballast is stuck in traffic. The operator might try to work without full ballast. Or the site owner might not have checked ground conditions properly. The operator may start lifting and find that one of the outriggers punches through the soil into a void. A lot can go wrong. Once, it was purely the experience and expertise of the operator that would keep the crane from tipping. Their hands and feet would feel the resistance of levers and pedals. They would hear the engine revving up and the hoisting winch or slewing gear turning. They would feel the crane beginning to tip. Today, operators can rely on a range of sensors to accurately track the crane's stability. They can see this represented on a screen in front of them. If they do push the crane towards the tipping point, the control system will warn them, then stop further dangerous movements. But getting to this point has not been a straightforward journey. Welcome to Engineering Matters. I'm Johnny Dowling. And I'm Rian Owen. In this episode, we've partnered with Liebherr to explore the fascinating history of crane control systems. The modern sensors, computing power and fast data connections used for these systems have transformed the sector. They make the job safer and more efficient, but more fundamentally, they show how physical equipment and assets can interact with our increasingly digital world. In some ways, all good crane operators are alike. They'll have learned how to operate their machine on the job, working alongside a trainer. In the classroom, they'll have been taught the physical principles that keep a crane stable. And they'll have the force of character needed to tell an angry site foreman when work can't continue safely. That knowledge, experience and strength of character goes a long way to making a crane safe. But working without any mechanical aids left space for errors. One of the first tools to support the crane operator was the Rated Capacity Indicator, or RCI. In its simplest form, this was a free-hanging marker set against a scale. As the crane tipped, the marker would hang down, moving relative to the scale. This would be marked to show the crane's tipping point. 
By the 1980s, these had been replaced by electronic indicators. Cranes were increasingly being designed to be configured for the job they were doing. They might be set up with different weights of ballast. Their main boom might be supplemented with a lengthening jib. Each of these configurations could be recorded on a punch card and used to reprogram the RCI. Liebherr started to offer these third-party RCIs with its cranes, but the company was moving quickly to more widespread use of electronics on its cranes. To complement these developments, the German manufacturer developed its own system, Lycon. At the turn of the millennium, regulators and industry experts became increasingly concerned by accidents involving loader cranes. As we've described, a truck crane consists of a telescopic boom mounted on a slewing ring on top of the carrier. A European loader crane uses a different boom type, a knuckle boom. This consists of a column rising up from behind the cab. A joint and hydraulic pistons connect this to the boom. At the end of the boom, a second joint and more hydraulics connect a jib. Both the jib and the boom are telescopic. When they're retracted, these can be folded down on themselves, behind the cab. Picture your fingers curled up so the tip touches your hand. This leaves space on the truck for a load. The operators of these cranes were not always focused on lifting. Instead, they were delivery drivers who would use their cranes to load and unload their trucks. They might work for a hot tub company delivering jacuzzis to customers' back gardens. Or they might be tree surgeons who would attach a damaged branch to their crane hook before cutting it free. On jobs like this, the loader crane was not just working next to the truck. Increasingly long booms and jibs would allow these drivers to lift loads right where they were needed. Over the hot tub enthusiast or tree owner's house, for example. An inexperienced operator might not set up their outriggers correctly. A tree surgeon might misjudge the weight of the branch they were cutting. When they did, the crane would tip. A quick Google for crane slices through house will return plenty of videos showing what happens then. The basic RCIs used on cranes like this would show the load on the hook. They would really consider the stability of the truck it was mounted on. They could not tell if the outriggers were stable. Operators didn't have the information they needed to work safely. The 2006 EU Machine Directive changed this. Across industries, safety regulations had considered components separately. The new machinery directive took a new approach. Now manufacturers must consider the overall safety function of a complete machine. The directive included lifting equipment among the core sectors it focused on. But the need to deliver a safety function, not just individually reliable components, applies to any sector. The machinery directive sets out the principles manufacturers must follow. Individual industries set their own standards in line with these principles. On loader cranes, the requirement for a stability function was implemented in the standard EN 12999. For all-terrain and other mobile cranes, the stability function was added to the standard EN 13000 in an amendment published in 2014. Through the rest of this episode, we'll consider how this approach affects each of the crane's components. We'll start at the bottom with the wheels and carriers that get the crane to sight. We'll see how the outriggers are used to give the crane a stable base, even in restricted spaces. We'll learn how the controls can consider the boom's slowing position, load and extension relative to the space. And we'll find out how the data from these systems can reduce downtime and fuel use while helping owners ensure that they have the best cranes for their fleet. 
We'll look at all of these factors from the point of view of a crane owner. Emerson Cranes has just bought one of the newest Liebherr cranes on the market, the LTM 1110 5.2. And this comes with a new control system known as the Lycon 3. The crane travels on five axles and lifts 110 tons. Dave Reeves is strategic account manager with Emerson. The business has two depots, one to the east of London in Dagenham and another to the west in Ivor. Today, the company is run by Liam Clancy. Eddie Clancy, Liam's dad, started the business in, in, in the early 90s. And in that time, it's sort of grown to be one of the largest, one of the largest mobile fleets in the southeast. And although it's grown in size, we've always kept that family feel. That makes sense. So we're we're a, a big company with small origins. Yeah, I think so. We've been London and Southeast centric just because of the geography of where we are. But as the business has changed, and we've we've made a decision as a business that major infrastructure and the major projects, you know, the HS2s and the tideways, and the, as our sort of idea of where we want to go as a business has changed geographically, we've had to had to, had to change off the back of that. Like I say, we've always been quite Southeast centric and still from a commercial aspect, it's not worth us running small cranes all over the country. But if it's, you know, if it's, if it's a long enough hire or a big enough crane, then we'll, we'll go where the work is. Emerson's fleet now includes eight axle cranes, able to lift as much as 450 tonnes. A big crane like this is designed to travel across the country. It might be used to disassemble a crane tower overnight but it also might be used on longer jobs alongside crawler cranes. But the company still has its roots in London. In city centres, customers often want cranes for a single lift. These are known as taxi cranes. They're designed to get to the job and to work quickly. The new crane is one of the largest able to travel to site like this. It has a capacity of 110 tonnes, so it's known as a 110. And that's the, the beauty of this 110. It, it runs with with um, all its ballast. All 29 tonne of it is, is on the crane at all times and we can still achieve the axle loadings required. So we can run that crane pretty much as is. It just turns up on site. All-terrain cranes are designed for the perfect balance of capacity and roadability. Each axle will carry the same load. In the UK, axle limits are regulated through the Special Transport General Order, or STGO. These allow cranes and other equipment to travel without a permit at axle loads of 16.5 tonnes. In other countries, these axle load limits are a lot lower. The increased axle load limits in the UK let Emerson carry all of the crane's ballast on the crane. That means operators don't need to travel with a secondary vehicle carrying counterweights. Florian Brunner trained as a test engineer for Liebherr and now works in product management for its mobile cranes. Taxi mode means that uh, they driving the grain from job site to job site with fully equipment. That means with uh, much counterweight on the grain itself uh, while driving on the road. And for example, also with equipment like a folding chip. This makes it flexible for the, for the grain owner uh, to operate this machine because he can send the machine to a job site without any additional uh, transporter, uh, which brings a counterweight, for example, and this grain can do the job. This all saves time and reduces delays. It also reduces fuel costs and carbon emissions. The new 110, for example, fit is a perfect fit because we've, we've looked at 
where we're at in the market with our clients, what they require from a, you know, from an emissions point of view, an engine and, you know, they want the latest technology, they want the latest engine emissions. The crane is also designed to reduce emissions at the job site, only engaging its engine when needed for lifting. Daniel Rosner is a field test engineer at Liebherr, who works on the development of the powertrain for the new crane. The fuel consumption um, of the crane is, is for sure a, a big topic here, especially the, the idle consumption. So in our application, we have a, a wide spread of highly diversified usage of the crane. So the one is using them really hard. The other one is, is doing more positioning with the load. And therefore, the idle is, is, a, is an important thing. So for the crane operation itself, so with the superstructure, um, we've introduced a few years ago, uh, also in the old control generation, the, the eco mode, which is enables us to reduce the, the slewing or the, the, the parasitic losses from the hydraulic when there is no movement. And therefore, we are able to, uh, to reduce at least the fuel consumption. The major contractors like HS2 and Tideway that Dave works with want to keep a close eye on emissions on their sites and this will only become more widespread. The crane can log this precisely, and the Lycon 3 system makes this available for analysis. The system is here fully transparent, so the fuel consumption is one of the parameters which is the tel telemetry system uh, providing, and therefore out of this uh, fuel consumption statistics or with the live side, so there is also a, a it displays that the, the system also displays the fuel level, um, and, but you can also see what is the, the total consumption since you, you, you have the crane, and therefore you can, you can calculate your CO2 calculation. And then here it's in, important which fuel you are using. So when you stay at the standard diesel, then it's, for example, one liter standard diesel is 2.6 kilograms of CO2. That's, this is the simple, simple calculation, but it's also possible to, to drive the, the crane with this HVO, so the hydrated vegetable oils, and then you, you can reduce this, your CO2 footprint up to 90% when you go on the tank-to-wheel approach. Emerson and companies like it often have cranes working in very congested sites. A lot of the time, I think the, the customers underestimate where their sites are located and they, they phone up and they know the crane they want to do the job but they don't always appreciate how the crane's going to get there and they almost make that our problem as the crane supplier. The clients now push it onto us, they don't really care that it's a little back street in the city of London. They just know what crane they want and, and we have to make the crane suit a lot of the time. Which is why these, these new cranes are, are so good at what they do with the all-wheel steer and all the rest of it. The independent steering on each axle allows cranes like this to turn on the spot or move sideways in a crab steer. The new control system handles much of the complexity of driving like this for the operator. This is a particular challenge when working on a gradient. So Liebherr has developed a system called Hill Start Aid to assist with this. When you are in a, in a situation where you have to, to park the crane uphill and you want to maneuver them a little bit, maybe in a in a limited space and it's uphill, then the, the hill start aid is really is really something which is 
a really comfortable feature for the operator because you can concentrate directly on the on maneuvering on the on the space he has so he can really focus on the on the space he wants to maneuver with the crane and not only think about am i doing the right thing at the right time at the job site the crane needs to be set up correctly before it can start work the design of new cranes like this aims to minimize the work that operators need to do and the risk of errors the minute you're through the gate you know the customer wants the crane working there has been a bit of a shift you know people now understand that things need to be right and they need to be safe um, which is why these new machines, whilst, yeah, they turn up on site and they're pretty much ready to go, there's enough safety features built into the crane that the driver can't really get it wrong. You know, he, he gets in, he sets up safely and he's ready to work in a relatively short time. You know, there's not a, there's not a large amount of pins to put in and, you know, things to knock about. He, he, you know, he can pretty much get up, put the legs out and away he goes. There's no extra people required. The driver can do it all himself with the remote. He can stand away from the machine, which is safer, uh, with a Bluetooth uh, handset. So, so that that machine machine person interface is so much better now because the driver can stand remote from the crane because of the technology. You know, anywhere we can keep our people safe has got to be a good thing. The key here is making sure there is enough flat, well-prepared ground for the outriggers. Firm and level ground is 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 the golden rule with all cranes, although. The onus is on the client to provide a suitable base for the crane to sit on. That will always be the driver's first first thought. Once he's got onto site or into, into the position where he's going to be setting up, his first thought will always be: Is the ground firm and level enough to take me? Just from a just looking at it, you know, it's not he's he's not an engineer. He's not there to to, to test the ground, but he will always he'll look at the ground. The ground condition should always have been checked before the crane arrives. The Lycon 3 control system, using sensors on the outriggers, can monitor the pressures exerted on the ground and ensure that they remain within safe limits. With this new machine, with the Lycon 3, you can get all your ground bearing pressures around the machine so you can see what, you know, if temporary works have got an issue, they can see exactly live what the outrigger pressure is at that point through that outrigger. The crane can only work at maximum capacity when all four outriggers are deployed at their full extension. But that is not always possible. London's narrow medieval streets make this a particular challenge for Emerson. Liebherr's Vario Base system allows each outrigger to be set independently and then calculates the capacity available at every point. To the side, uh, you have the, the worst position of slewing regarding stability. And you have the best position regarding stability when you are lifting the loads over the outriggers. And uh, in the past, we only offered the customers the so-called 360 degrees load chart tables, and they were limited to this worst position. So independently where the slewing uh, platform uh, was positioned. In the past, uh, when, you had, uh, when you had a constricted side, for example, it was not possible to extend one outrigger to 100%. You were limited that you are redirecting all four outriggers to this, uh, for example, 50% position. What is the consequence? The complete load uh, uh, charge is limited to 50% outrigger position, and this is in a 360 degrees mode. Meanwhile, with VarioBase, and you uh, you have this advantage that you are so flexible that you, when you have only the limitation at one outrigger, you can retract this one and the other three ones you can uh, let extend it to 100%. And so you don't have, when you look 
uh, in the top view of the grain uh, at all points, the same uh, distance between the, the middle of the, the slewing platform to the uh, tipping edge. You have different uh, lengths of this level to the tipping edges. And so we uh, calculated it, calculating it also uh, with this, how we call it, asymmetrical uh, outrigger positions. And this gives the, the customer the big benefits that uh, he is completely flexible in this constricted uh, job sites. With the outriggers set up and their position monitored by VarioBase, the crane is able to make the most of its capacity in the space available. Before the job starts, the crane supplier will have already planned how to lift and move the load. That might mean that a heavier load can only be slewed in one direction to avoid areas of lower capacity. And a lot of the time jobs, particularly with Lee Bear and Crane Planner now, the jobs have already been planned off the back of Crane Planner software. So, you know, before the crane even arrives, the, the groundwork's been done with, with Crane Planner and Lycon 3. The operator can check the lift plan from the cab in a simulation mode. So for this kind of operation, when you are working with VarioBase, we have other possibilities. Meanwhile, we have good planning tools on the PC, but as well on the grain itself. On the grain uh, itself, you have uh, a so-called simulation mode. It's the working planner. With this working planner, the grain operator can simulate at all time how many load can I lift, for example, in my position now, when I'm, how I stand now with this slewing angle, how many, how far away from the point now can I lower my boom, for example, with the hanging load? Or when I now in, on this position and I want to slew 30 degrees to the side, how is the, how uh, does develop the load capacity? Is the is load capacity rising or lowering? And this he can uh, do with an easy operatable simulation mode at all time. When it's time to start lifting, the Lycon 3 system constantly monitors the crane stability. The technology is such you should never get to an unsafe state. You get so many stages before you get to that, before the crane is out of radius or... You know, if it can't pick the load up, it just simply won't pick it up. It, the computer won't allow you to do it. Lycon systems have been available on Liebherr cranes since the 1980s. As they have developed, they've taken advantage of improvements in computing and display technology. On the first Lycon system, we only had uh, this black and white colored uh, monoscreen monitors. And when we introduced Lycon 2, the successor of the first Lycon system, this was, I think, in... 2005 or six. There we changed to a to a colored monitor, which makes it uh, more visually attractive for the customer. We also had the possibility to, to to tell the customer with the help of colors, red, green, and yellow, uh, how he has uh, informations like utilization of the grain or with red color. Uh, because grain uh, operator, you have to look, for example, to your outrigger base, there is something not uh, correct. And this uh, was the development with Lycon 2. And Lycon 3, meanwhile, we changed to a multifunctional touch display uh, for the monitor where you can, uh, by the directly at the monitor, can change the different settings and configurations. In the distant past, the operator relied purely on their own senses and experience with the machines. For a skilled operator, this became instinctive. Lycon aims to offer that same intuitive working, but with much more safety. 
So you drove a crane, yeah, by feel, and and you know an experienced operator would would know what his crane was capable of, over and above maybe what the capacity of the crane was. Even you know I'm, I'm going back a long while, and it was very much drive by the seat of your pants, get a feel for it. You know you could feel when you got hold of the load. The beauty of the the, the new Liebherr products is you haven't lost that person crane interface. You still get that feel for the crane, but it's working alongside you now rather than against you almost you know that the safety systems are there to work with with the operator rather than just stop it happening if it all goes wrong you know from from the minute you turn the key on the crane the crane's working with the operator the lycon system sensors constantly monitor all the crane's functions it's this that enables the finely tuned capacity adjustments as the crane works and the data collected from these sensors creates an invaluable digital record. It can help shape a crane's owner's purchasing decisions. It can aid with training. It can provide an accurate record of emissions. And it could one day allow the toughest lifting jobs to be performed by an operator in an office, not in a cab. Yeah, so there's, there's data loggers in the crane. So the crane's recording itself all the time. It's, it's possible with our crane performance site to have a look online to the machines which are equipped with this telemetry system. So there is a solution we offer since uh, last year um, where the, the, the fleet owner or the, I would say the supervisor of the crane fleet can have a look what the crane is doing, what is the status, how is the load, what are the, the, the boom length, what is the radius of the load and all this stuff. In the future, the crane owner or supervisor could review this logging across a fleet. That could be used for training or for guiding their future crane purchases. In the first step, we only have here a live mode, so that the supervisor, like Daniels explained, can have a look to the live situation of the machine, what is hanging at the moment on the crane hook. In a further development step, we want to make reports. For example, that a grain owner can uh, give him a report of this machine. How many lifts have he done in the last 30 days? What was the, the average uh, utilization um, for these lifts? Was he utilized to 100% or only to 50%? And so he get uh, information. Maybe I have uh, unnecessary strong grain for this kind of jobs. I can use it for other kind of jobs, which maybe I can get more money. And this uh, makes for it for for him more transparent, and he can uh, do with this information uh, economical uh, decisions in in his company and makes the company more economical. Crane hire firms operate on tight margins. Typically, they use finance to fund equipment purchases. Monitoring their fleet utilization, the percentage of capacity each crane is using, and the percentage of time it is working allows them to fine tune their investments. At the same time, they want to avoid downtime. Remote diagnostics ensures that when there is a fault, the crane can quickly get back to work. I mean, these, these new cranes don't break down a lot, just the nature of what they do. But if there is a fault with the crane, nine times out of 10, the crane knows before the driver does, just with all the onboard CAN bus stuff, the, 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 yeah, it, it's, it's self-diagnosing all the time. So I think the, the main benefit of the system, of this uh, remote diagnostic system, is uh, when you when you operate in, in remote locations like there is there's far away from a from a from a service department and you have a you have a small small topic which is blocking you in your job at the moment then then you, you have the possibility to do this via the remote remote diagnostics 
to, to call directly the, the customer service and uh, ask for help and to be honest so the majority of the, the cases are small root causes which is blocking the, the, the job and which can normally solved by the driver directly. That minimizes downtime, which ultimately is a, is a commercial plus, you know. Under the hood, the new Lycon 3 system offers much more computing power and can take advantage of high-speed internet connections. Currently, operators can use a Bluetooth controller to set up the crane. But in the future, operators and supervisors may be able to control cranes from much further away. Lieber has already developed teleoperations for its cranes. Back in the 1990s, in the aftermath of the Chernobyl disaster, it designed systems to allow cranes to be operated in the radioactive ruins by operators working at a safe distance. More widespread use of teleoperation would need attention to cybersecurity and related issues, but this is an industry that faces a shortage of trained operators. The Lycon system could be used to allow less experienced workers to set up the crane and perform basic lifting. A more skilled operator could work from an office, taking on the more challenging task for four or five cranes. Maybe it could be handled with one experienced, well-trained crane operator from a remote uh, place. And on the job sites of these five cranes, there are other technical stuff, which maybe is not that well-experienced, trained crane operator, but who can do the, the security overview and uh, do the handling work. But this makes maybe in the future, uh, this could be a, a solution to work against the, uh, the situation that we don't have in future that, that many well-trained crane operators. Engineering Matters is a production of Rebe Media. This episode was written and produced by Will North and hosted by me, Johnny Dowling, and by Rian Owen. Editing and series supervision by John Young. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. And the telemetry from all of our operations is monitored by Rory Harris. Special thanks to our partner for this episode, Liebherr, and thank you for listening. You can find us on all podcast apps, on our website, engineeringmatters.rebe.media, and on LinkedIn.